Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith. And I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Right, so we're going to talk about this morning how to get power for your willpower. How to get power for your willpower. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're a powerful God. I thank you that you speak to things and the change and that you bring life to things which are dead. I thank you that you've given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Okay, I'm going to read out a few statements that are connected to having a strong or weak willpower, mostly weak. So here we go. I drink coffee because without it, I'm basically a two-year-old whose blankie is in the dryer. Diet day one. I've removed all the bad food from the house. It was delicious. (laughs) They say money talks, but mine just waves goodbye. I hate when I'm trying to pull the blankets up and I punch myself in the face. Okay, no one liked that one. (laughs) I ran out of coffee this morning. Tequila seemed a reasonable replacement. Everyone is so pretty today. Oh, that's too, that's too unchurchy for for you, is it? I'm not promoting drink, by the way. This is just what people said. I'm not an early bird or a night owl. I'm some form of permanently exhausted pigeon. (laughs) Let's see if I can get one more. I'm in love with my bed. We're perfect for each other, but my my alarm clock doesn't want us together. That jealous beep. I can't say the the next comment. So willpower. So often, a lot of us have great intentions. A lot of us want to do things at the start of the year. A lot of us have resolutions. A lot of us have things in mind. Uh, We're going to get up early. We're going to pray. We're going to get into the Word. We're going to do all these things. And so often, it's so much more comfortable to stay in your bed. It's so much more comfortable to not get on team. It's so much more comfortable not to encourage the person that you have on your heart. It's so much more comfortable not to have to give anything of your life or your resources. It's so much more comfortable to stay the same. The unfortunate thing is that God has not called us to stay the same. God has called us to be better. God has called us to more. God has called us to to be in a greater form than the previous year before. God has called us uh, not to just be an okay encourager, but a great encourager. God has called us not to be a a part of a surface community, but into a deep community of faith. God has called us not to just get to know him on the surface level, but in a deep, intimate way. But if you're comfortable, your willpower will never have enough power to get you where you want to go. Is anybody with me? I tell you, if you're coming in and you've you've been doing the fast all week, that's why we want carpet. 
<laughs> to help people, the embarrassment was like, oh my goodness, everyone's just, um, um. and so that, that, that's, willpower is so core to what we do and who we are. It decides the direction where we go. It also decides our destination and where we end up. And so the problem is if we, if we just go with our natural beliefs and our natural thoughts and our natural way of life and we listen to what the world says, the Bible talks about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And really what that looks like is you trying to do things your own way. You see, anything in our life that's not birthed in prayer is birthed in pride. Anything in our life that, 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 that we decide that we want, often it's an idea, it's a fantasy, it's a thing that, that we think, if I can just get that car, if I can just get that amount of money for my job, if I can just get those friends, if I can just get that type of clothes, then, then I'll be satisfied. Then I'll be happy. But the problem with that thought and that idea, it's not in the present. It's not a present satisfaction because when you get there, I need more. When you get there, it lasts for all but a, a few seconds or maybe a week you get a new car and it smells good, but after a week it gets dirty and you can't be bothered. And so there's a problem is that, that what we're running after sometimes, what we're building is not sustainable. And the other thing is it doesn't help anyone else. When we are consumed with what we want, it's not for anyone else, it's for ourselves. And so no one else benefits apart from you. And so if everyone went around, we talked about last week, if everyone was as, as encouraging as you are, what would your family look like? What would your workplace look like? What would the church look like? If everyone gave and was as generous as you are, what would your family look like? What would your school look like? What would your, your workplace look like? What would, you know, would you even get paid that much? And so we always got to ask the question and reflect on who am I? And, you know, we look to the world and, 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 you know, the world is just going with this natural, a lot of times, thinking and, and they, they take God out of the mix in, in, in the government and different things like that. And they're just trying to work it out and Democrat and voting and Brexit and all this kind of craziness. And, and everyone's trying to, everyone's got their own opinion. Everyone's got their own way. And, 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 and that's the problem with when we look at issues like abortion and, and some of the rules that are, are being made and laws are being made in New York. Uh, we see those things, and what's going on is man is looking after himself. Man, is, his willpower is driven by what he can control and what's comfortable, what's easy. The problem is what it causes is destruction for others. And if we live a life that's all about us, we create a culture that's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. It's not a, a culture where you come in and you feel loved. It's a culture where you come in and you feel threatened. Your safety is threatened. Your security is threatened. You're certainly not even getting to the stage of, of giving to others freely because you haven't been freely given. And so humanity cannot thrive in those environments. And funny enough, God's way always isn't our way. It isn't the human way. It isn't how we would do it, but it's always the way that builds life. And so we see here in, in Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30, it says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's, my yoke is easy. The want to. Do you want 
to come to church? Do you want to read your Bible? Do you want to seek God? Do you want it? And let's be honest, a lot of the times we don't. Let's be honest, a lot of the times we're not that excited. Let's be honest, a lot of the times it's not exciting for a lot of people. And, and what I would say to you is, it's, there's not anything wrong with God. There's something wrong with your feelings. Because your feelings are out of whack. Your feelings are, are, are associated to some, something inside of you that believes that it doesn't want to seek God. It doesn't want to pray. It, your feelings don't want to sacrifice. Your, your feelings don't want to encourage. Your feelings don't want to give. And so what's going on is there's something on the inside of you that needs to shift. And if you go through your whole life just going by your feelings, what will happen is you won't want it. You will come to church. You will seek God out of duty and not out of desire. And so we've got to be careful that, that our, our affections don't go off towards us being so connected to the world that we want the things of the world. We want to, to build our life our way. And, but the problem is it always leads to a self-centered life and it builds no one else up. And so, I, so our emotions, when our emotions do not align with affection, then they're burdensome and heavy. There's a lack of spiritual strength. And so I'm going to put a picture on here of a bull. Any farmers in here? This one's for you. And so we have a bull here, and, and this, this big piece of wood, what it would have been, is what you would call a yoke. We've heard, some of us have heard that verse where my yoke is easy and the burden is light. And so this yoke, what this yoke does, it connects these two bulls together so that they can align themselves and they can do the work that they've been called to do. And so both are attached. The reason that there's a yoke is because that there's work to do, because there's a purpose for these two bulls to fulfill, to provide life, to provide resource. God has called you with a purpose. He's called you for her work. He calls you his workmanship. We, as we serve, we work. It is work. There's sweat. We're the kind of church that will roll up our sleeves and do work in the community and give freely. But the problem is if we're trying to do the work and the yoke is, is not light, the yoke is heavy, what happens is we do it out of have to and not out of want to. We do it because we feel bad if we don't. That is not God's way. That is not God's call. That is not what God wants you to do. God, is a, God wants us to have cups that are overflowing. God wants us to have cups that are excited, full of joy of the Spirit. But it's a, it can only be joyful if it's, if it's light, if it's heavy. It's you're being forced. And, and so what happens is when these two bulls are operating together in alignment, it's light because they're both carrying the load together. It's actually harnessed around their neck and it's properly fitted but if they were both going the opposite direction, it would become awkward. It would begin to hurt. It would begin to cause burdensome. It would become, begin to get heavy because they, they haven't surrendered to the will of their master. And so when we surrender to the will of the Father, the, the yoke becomes light because you've put your trust 
in God. You're in line with His ways. You're in line with what He's called you to do. But if you put the trust in yourself, you'll start to veer off. I want to get this off me. I don't want to be here. And you start to do it as a sacrifice just because you have to, to keep your friends happy, keep your wife or your husband or your spouse happy, or to keep your, your grandparents happy. I hear that so often. I was talking to a guy who got saved here um, just a few months ago, and, and he says, my goodness, the difference it is when you come to church and you're surrendered to God. When you give your life over, church just becomes a completely different place. The same guy's promoting the fire to this place and inviting about a thousand people. Why? Because the yoke is light. Because the yoke's light, he's working it. Because the, the yoke is light, he's working the ground, he's doing work, he, he's taking back ground that the enemy has stolen. He's doing work. He's preparing the ground, there's seeds being sown, lives being changed because he's doing work. But, but why? It's because the yoke is easy. It's easy. And so this morning, you've got to ask yourself, well, well, is my yoke easy? And there's probably a bunch of people in here, you're like, no, it's heavy. And there's this, I'm gonna, we're going to help you this morning real quick. Oh, well, how do we do that? And how do we get things from a, from a have to to a want to? Everyone say want to. Want to. And so that's why when we fast, what happens is fast, fasting disconnects us from our ways disconnects us from trying to veer to the left or to the right. It keeps us aligned. And so fasting, it kills the flesh. It kills our, our fleshly desires. It kills our ideas of doing things our own way. And, and, and starts to harness us. Starts to harness us. You see, the Bible says the, the, the way is narrow, right? Well, what does that mean? It means it's like a pathway where there's, where there's fields to the right and to the left. And, and, and there's an alignment, there's, there's one way of doing this, and so if we can keep ourselves aligned, we can keep ourselves on the path, and the yoke is easy. But if we begin to veer off, we get into rough ground, we get into frustration and heaviness and brokenness and pain, and so God has called us to, to, to stay aligned on the path, harnessed. The kind of freedom that we have as, as, as Christians is, is a harnessed freedom, it's, it's a confined freedom, it's not do what you want freedom, like, hey, do you want to go on and drive on the, on the road and just go over the hard shoulder if you want? Just, you know, go the opposite of the road. It's not that kind of freedom. Some of you are like, I like that though. I like to do that. Uh, um, it's the kind of freedom where you're, you, you stay on the path. You stay between the lines. You, you work the system that God has set up for you. And then all of a sudden you get to the destination that you truly desire to be in. It says in... in Galatians 5 and 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, everyone says Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or long-suffering. That's the one we hate. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 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 It's a fruit of the Spirit. And if we want to exercise the Spirit, then, then these are the things that come from it. If we want to progress and move forward with God, this is, we need some, something to do with the Spirit is going gonna, is gonna to get us there. It's going to give us power for our will. It's going to give us power to want to love people and, 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 and be gentle and, and have joy. It's going to give us the power 
to have peace in storms, it's going to give us the power. To have kindness when we want to be mean, it's going to give us the power. To be good to people and actually overflow. Why? Because you're satisfied by the Spirit and, and you actually want to do the work. You want to do the work. You're faithful. You can be faithful. You come on board with the mission. You're faithful. You can be gentle and self-controlled. Why? Because you're satisfied. You're not trying to strive. You're not trying to do things your own way. You're already satisfied by the Spirit. And so when you're satisfied by the Spirit, you can begin to walk the way God has called you to walk. But if you're not satisfied and you're trying to do things your own way, then you're going to go start striving to try and get your plan to come into fruition. And that's where things go wrong. That's where it begins to get heavy. That's where life, there's worry comes into the mix. That's where, where, where fear comes into the mix. That's where, where, where selfishness comes into the mix. That's where you start to compete with one another and it comes into the mix and you start to compare yourself and your joy is not there and your goodness is not there and your faithfulness is not there and your gentleness is not there anymore because you're trying to make something happen in your own strength. Is anyone with me? And so, and so how do we do this then? Number one, the, the new man is alive and the old man is dead. And so how do we put, how, how do we get the spirit activated? How do we get this power? You put it on. You put it on, turn to the person to your left and say, put it on. That's the last one I'm going to do. Put it on. The Bible says, clothe yourself with righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It doesn't mean you being perfect. It means that Jesus was perfect is perfect. He made a way to get you on the field. He made a way to get you in the team. That's why we, I don't care what you've done or where you've came from, we'll find a role for you. Why? Because you're righteous. You've received Jesus. You're righteous. Put it on. God's got a plan for you. Put it on. I know you feel shame. Put it on. That's exactly when you need to put it on. The righteousness counteracts the shame. It counteracts the guilt. But I've made a few mistakes, Phil. Put it on. The only way you can kill and defeat sin is by putting it on. Putting on the gift of salvation. Put on the gift of righteousness. Clothe yourself. Put it on. Stop going out naked. Put your clothes on. You feel vulnerable and exposed? Put the clothes on. Get your jeans on. Spursy speaking. We don't want to see it either. Put it on. Well, how do you put it on? You pray. When you pray, you put it on. When you, when you pray a Bible-based prayer, you put it on. It's spirit and what? The Bible says Jesus came in spirit and truth. Well, how do we know it's a Bible-based prayer? It aligns with the Scripture. You put it on by, by praying a spirit-filled Bible-based prayer. God, I thank you that you love me because of Jesus. Not because of me. God, I thank you that you created me. Thank you that you're my Father in heaven. I've surrendered to your way. I'm aligned. Because I'm aligned, you're in control. Because you're in control, I can trust you and trust that you're going to work things out and trust that when the storms come, I'm good. Oh my goodness, I feel joy. Even though chaos is around me, I feel joy. Why? Because I put it on. I pray. We're going to be a church that prays. We've been creating space all throughout the week from 6.45 to 7.45. Do we want, does my willpower want to? No. My flesh is crying out every morning. But afterwards, I feel great. I kill the flesh. I, I fast the flesh. I fast my, my natural desires, and my spirit comes to life. 
God begins to give me new, fresh vision. He begins to give me joy. He begins to give me peace. I get creative. God, God gives me things that I never had before because I'm not worrying about figuring my life out. I'm not worrying about such and such. I forgive them. Just deal with that again. I forgive them again. I have to forgive people about a thousand times and still I have to forgive them again. Why? Because I, I don't want the bitterness to rise up and steal from me and steal from what God has called me to work. So it says in Matthew, we're nearly finished, Matthew 26 and 41, Jesus is just about to go into a massive storm. This is where he's about to get captured and go to down the cross for us. And so he knows, he knows that the flesh will be crying out and saying, oh my word, I don't want to do this. And that's exactly what happened. His flesh was crying out and he was going through all kinds of physical reactions, anxiety, fear. We've all experienced it in some shape or form. It says he, he had his mates, his friends, his buddies, his pe the people who were on team with him, with him, and he was hoping for some support. Uh, uh, and this is what's going on. He comes back while he's in, he's way off to pray because he was putting it on. He was putting it on. He was just trying to get that confidence. He's trying to get that joy. And uh, this could be the end. <laughs> and so he, he returns to his disciples and find them sleeping. He says, couldn't you men watch with me for just an hour? Like, I, I need you, he's trying to ask them to protect him while I go and pray to make sure there's nobody comes to try and get him before his time. And, and he comes back and they're sleeping. The flesh. They don't have the power. There's something wrong with the power. The system, the power system on the inside of them is failing them, even with Jesus by their side. And he asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Watch and Watch and pray, because it's prayer is how you put it on. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Listen, your, your flesh will always be weak. Your flesh will always desire to control. Your flesh will always desire to, to bear fruit your own way, but it will never work. It will cause more confusion. It will cause more burden. It will be heavy. It'll be so heavy that you'll have nothing to give anyone else. It'll steal from your life. I heard a story yesterday about how a man had, um, we were at a conference in Dublin, CCI movement, and a guy from a church in, in California was just telling a story about how someone had got consumed with his car, and he, just ha he dreamed about having, he was this rich bloke, and he had a car, and he wanted, always wanted a McLaren, F, a McLaren supercar for the road. And, and he just loved this car. He'd been saving up for it. And he, he, he made, it came into millions and he went ahead and bought it. And he just, he, he worshipped it. <laughs> it was in the garage and, and he also had a kid. And, and they had been drawn in the kitchen and in the kitchen, uh, drawn like flowers and stuff. And, and th th uh, he was like, oh, there's an amazing wee flower on your, on your coloring in book where it should be. And then about an hour passes, and he's just dreaming about his car, and I think he went off to do something in the house. And, and then the kid comes back to him and says, Daddy, I've drawn another flower for you. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, brilliant. Where, 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 did you, where did you draw it? In the garage, Daddy, come on. He brings his 
brings her daddy to the garage and shows her on the new car a lovely picture of a flower that had been carved into the paint. Now, this is the horrific part of the story. He was so mad, and this is terrible, that he actually clipped the kid's fingernails with a hammer. And they had to get amputated. You see what happens when we obsess over the flesh and the things that we think and you know what, he repented straight away, brought him to the hospital, and it forever scarred him that he could have the potential to do such a thing to his daughter. He got so obsessed with what he wanted and what he thought would make him happy, fleshy desires, that he, destru- he started to destruct and destroy the thing that he dearly loved. See, the spirit is always willing, but the flesh is weak. And lastly, as the, the worship team come up, In Matthew 3 and 4, or sorry, Matthew 4, verses 3 and 4, Jesus has just went into the wilderness, and he's fasting. That means he, he's got rid of, of food, and he's creating intentional space to pray, because he wants to put it on, because right before that, he's about to go into the ministry, the work. He's about to go into the work of the ministry, and he needed to prepare. And, and it's funny, just as he was going in to, to do the to, to, to put it on, to put on the righteousness of God and, and, and his call that God had called him to do, the enemy came and said, hey, you're hungry. You're hungry, why not turn that rock into bread? Why not turn the rock into bread and, and feed yourself? How funny was it that the enemy went straight for the food? And it, it, obviously Jesus responded, some of us know, man does not live by bread alone. Man does not live by bread alone. You see, what Jesus was doing was he was creating a hunger, a fleshly hunger by by saying no to the things that the flesh desired to create space for the spirit. And and there's a, if we if we read here, it says when the tempter came to him, he said, "If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread." But he answered, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, if we're going to be people that allow the spirit to reign, but people that have a want to and not a have to, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to create space to put it on. And we're going to have to work it. Because the two come together. You see, that hunger that he had for the flesh was then converted to a hunger for the spirit because when you're hungry, really what you're saying is, I need to be satisfied right now. When you're hungry, you have a desire to want. When you're hungry, you have a desire for something to harness or or to sustain you and to satisfy the hunger. And so Jesus was able to say, listen, I get it, my flesh is crying out. I get it, I'm hungry. I get it, I have a want. But I'm deciding in this season as I prepare to do the work to get my hunger satisfied by the Spirit. 
And that's why when we fast and we create space and we say no to things, there's a hunger. And we fail. But if you, don't rep- if you just sit in that hunger, you're going to be mad. You're going to hate fasting. But if you take that opportunity in that space of hunger to pray, to press in, God will speak to you in a unique way. You, you, you will begin to get power from on high. You'll begin to get power for your willpower. God will begin to satisfy you in ways that you've never been satisfied. That's why God can speak more clearly in a time of prayer and fasting. Because the distractions are out of the way. The Spirit is always willing. And so the beautiful thing is, Jesus wasn't just fasting to get power for no reason. He was, getting fa- he was fasting to get power to do the work. And if you don't do the work, you can fill up your fuel tank all day long. But if you don't begin to drive the vehicle, if you don't begin to drive the car, you're not going to need any more fuel. You can get all fired up and woo, I love Jesus and, and I'm excited about God and I've cast my cares on him and it's easy. But listen, God has called you to work it. God has called you to want it and to work it. God has called you to get in on prayer, get in on his word. God has called you to get in on his spirit. And then he's called you to overflow. That's why we call people to get get in a team, get in a group. Group is where you grow. Group is where you put it on. Group is where you worship. A group is where, but, but, but a team is where you do the work. And we need attention of both. And if we, if we get some people that begin to get into prayer and get the power that comes from prayer, we begin, to, we begin to put it on. We then begin to enjoy it. We begin to want it. And all of a sudden, the overflow is we begin to do the work. People begin to tell people, not because you have to. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what God does in church this week. I can't wait to see who's going to be at youth this week. I can't wait to see what God speaks to me during this time of prayer so I can go and tell that person. And, and what happens is then you get more encouraged, then you go back to prayer. I want more words of encouragement. I want more self-control. I'm going to conquer this thing. But it's found in prayer. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariachurch.org and give now. And we will see you next time on the Ariat Church podcast.